Hi, this is Zippy from Rainbow, and you're listening to a podcast where nostalgia comes alive. It's Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show. Roll it. <laughs> Welcome to Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show, the podcast where nostalgia comes alive. Since July of 2021, Jake and his friends have interviewed professionals in the worlds of acting, directing, writing, puppeteering, and many more. Who will they be chatting with in this week's interview? Find out in this Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show episode. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show, where nostalgia comes alive. I'm your host, Jake Davenport, with me as always. I'll go Chris McSpee and Matt Bingo with his pal, Julius the Snoof. How you guys doing? Doing good, Jake. We're good, Jakey. Hi everybody. Hello. How you doing, Jakey? It's awesome to hear. I'm doing great. As always, thank you for asking. And who do we have today? Today's guest we have for today. He's a puppeteer, performance, and visual artist, an actor who's done a lot of puppetry projects which we mentioned later, including performing Bob in its Pippic World, puppeteering Pooh in the Book of Pooh, Between Lions, Ubi, and he also done some Sesame Street projects as well, and a bunch of other which we'll get into later. Please welcome Mr. James Galwin. How are you here, James? How are you here? How are you? I'm good. How are you? There might be some construction noise happening, so I apologize in advance. Oh, it's okay. That's no, all right. all right. no worries. No worries. Happy to have you here. How are yes, you guys? Absolutely. Doing good. great. Thank you. Doing good. Thank you. Doing great. So for those to, to, to kick things off, for those who don't know you, could you kind of like tell our audience a bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah. Um, I went to art school and then I moved to New York. And I worked for an artist and I painted his paintings for him and I was doing performance art. And then I, I made masks the whole time. So I worked in theater too. And so uh, masks led to puppets. And then I started doing puppets here in New York in uh, the East Village where no one really did puppets. And um, so there was kind of an opening for that. Uh, I can kind of claim with my friend Tim Legasse that we invented the puppet slam back in the day. Uh, and so I was doing puppets, and then I met up with Mitchell Friedman, who was doing Bear in the Big Blue House. And we worked on a couple projects together because he had seen my work in a live situation. And then uh, I basically begged him for a job. And then I met Jim Krupa and Tyler Bunch and Peter Lintz and a bunch of people who helped me out to, um, you know, uh, get me into the fold per se. And uh, then I worked on Book of Pooh because I was I was experienced in tabletop puppetry, American tabletop. When I, I it's I have, I've heard that it's been, I'm not supposed to say Blue Maku in American puppetry, but you know that was my side. I I was obsessed with Blue Maku. Uh, so I was doing tabletop with a few friends of mine, and uh, a lot of the, uh, um, there weren't many people that experienced with tabletop, meaning there's legs and arms and everything working all at once. And so that was Book of Pooh. Uh, it was a very challenging show, very groundbreaking show. Nobody's really done anything like it since. Same thing with um, um, Big Big World. Uh, Mitchell was very interested in making something that looked entirely different from reality television, which I think he was successful mm -hmm. at. So I ended up on those shows. And then I was still doing my own work, live theater, 
I did a piece called, uh, or a, a cabaret show called Uncle Jimmy's Dirty Basement. Mm. It's like a puppet rock show. And then I did a couple of uh, one-man shows. Uh, one was Lunatic Cunning, and the other one was the Flatiron Hex. That was my latest one. I'm working on one right now, but, you know, the pandemic kind of shut everybody up. Awesome. Yeah. Nice. So now before working as a puppeteer and artist, how did you grow up and what was your childhood like? Mm. I grew up in a, my dad taught theater at a college in Pennsylvania. They, my parents met, they were both actors in uh, Indiana. My dad went to Notre Dame. Uh, they got divorced and I would spend the uh, school year in Indiana and then I would go back to uh, work with my dad in the summers where we did basically summer stock and then we would come in to see shows in New York because my dad was he pretty much saw every show ever he was a really good director a very stern taskmaster kind of guy uh, so that's where I got my theater training um, but, but as a kid I, I'm, I'm fourth of six of the official brood and then there's lots of step children after that so uh we were all pretty much involved in the arts as far as i can tell yeah yeah um and i was very uh, uh fortunate to be supported in my choices to be an artist to go to art school stuff like that um because i've met a lot of people who struggled with their parents that didn't get the approval that they needed to like be an artist or just be a weirdo right um, Mm -hmm. uh, or just to do what they wanted instead of like going to law school or I don't mean right. to of that my experience I played too many sports I wish I could have those hours back <laughs> 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 but those days are gone you know peer pressure and all like I was bullied a lot because yeah. I was a new kid in Indiana so I had to learn to fight but I knew how to fight because I had an older brother so that's a weird thing to talk about. Some people get triggered or upset by that, but that's the truth of my existence. Was bullied a lot, so um, that's another impetus for how I, um, you know, became an entertainer. I could diffuse a situation or be confrontational if the situation needed it. I got a full scholarship to go to art school because of my art teacher art school and met the best friends of my life and then i moved to new york yeah. starting with puppetry <laughs> what made you get into it and i know you kind of just talked about like your dad and whatnot but what made you want to get into puppetry this is one of my favorite questions that i talk to puppeteers about because my experience is a little bit different but we all have this kind of like a click moment mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um i was making masks and doing performance art i was basically just performing with costumes and doodads and i was obsessed with this uh drawing on a cave wall that had a shaman laying down and there was a stick with a bird on the top of it and so i was like oh i could do that i could just get a bird i love the muppets and everything but i never thought i was going to do puppets Mm -hmm. So I, right. I, I found, a, I don't know if you guys remember, there used to be these things you could get when you'd go to Maine or 
Connecticut or something. It was like a little lobster claw that was on a stick that you could kind of pull with your finger. Anyway, interesting. Um, huh. So I was like, oh, I'll make the bird out of that. I found it in the garbage. The problem was that the mouth opened this way, and that's not how you know, it's supposed to go that way. But it right, way. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I got obsessed with trying to figure out how to turn that around, and so I rebuilt the whole thing. And then I was obsessed with the process because it's basically like an onion. You can't find it's it's an infinite puzzle, which interested me. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like painting, but painting at a certain point is it's kind of like what are you gonna do? <laughs> Finding some right. way to animate matter in front of people for an audience that makes uh, makes them go ah. that little moment. That's all you need. And then I was, that was it. And then I got obsessed with making mechs. And I met a bunch of people. I overbuilt a million puppets. And then I met people who worked at Henson. And I worked at Henson. And yeah, it just kind of went from there. So I'm kind of curious. Do you remember what your very first professional puppeteering gig was? I do. It was called Street Sharks. It was a TV commercial. It was kind of a ripoff of a... Um, uh, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they were street sharks. You can probably see it if you look it up right now on YouTube. Um, there were these muscly shark things. I went to an audition that a friend of mine got me into. And somehow I got it. I ended up doing the commercial with Joey Mazzarino and uh, oh, wow. Randy. Ah, nice. And I had, I had no monitor skills at all just absolutely i was i faked it i faked i don't know how i got the job seriously i don't know how i got the job i think i made a weird shark sound even though they didn't record us um i ended up getting in a van randy carfagna joe mazzarino i didn't know joey at all at the time we go up to a studio in rochester and Joey was getting his takes in like two seconds and I was taking, I was taking forever to get my takes so really short because you had to like pop through a thing. Um, that was my first professional job. And Joey Mazzarino walked me through like he was basically like pull, pulling my arm while I had this weird plat rubber puppet <laughs> Yeah. And he was like, put, he was, <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? I don't know what I'm doing. He's like, it's cool, man. It's cool. It's cool. And then I got a call later on, like a couple months later for Toy Fair, where um, the, the agency, the toy company was like, can you come and perform at Toy Fair? You know, we do like eight shows a day and I had already done industrials. So I was used to that. And I was like, great. So I end up at the Toy Fair doing eight shows a day with Vin Diesel. Oh my gosh. Wow. wow. Oh, wow. Nice. That is on YouTube now. You can see that. You can actually see nice. my head. I had hair back then. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he was wow. like talking about his, he had just done a, he had just done his own movie. He talked a lot. And, uh, you know, because in between shows, we're kind of, because he had, there were two guys, like the villain and the hero. Vin was the hero, there was the villain guy, and it was just me in a box that would pop out with the shark. So I just basically sat there. I didn't have to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and 
Mm. We'd just sit there in between shows drinking coffee, and he's like, oh, I made this movie and I did this thing. And I was like, oh, and Spielberg looked at it. I was like, you're full of shit. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. No, you're no worries. Good. No worries. You're good. And, uh, you can spare no, as much as, as, as you want. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, talk about a pitch me moment. You got to work with Vin Diesel. That must have been really cool. Oh, yes. Well, you know, it was weird. It was weird because industrials are, are a, a challenge because it's not really an audience audience. They're kind of just coming right. through to buy stuff. Yeah. That's, that's cool. You got to work with Vin Diesel, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's very cool. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. It was at a toy fair, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, it's on YouTube. So- Somebody just released it. I saw it a couple months ago. Somebody found it and sent it to me. Oh, wow. Oh, oh definitely nice. have to check that out after we're done. One of your earliest puppeteering gigs was on the long-running PBS series Between the Lions. Oh yeah, amazing show. Yes, yeah, cer- certainly a wonderful show, and one one we've had uh, previous guests on as well. Yes, we have. Yes, we have. Yes. Yeah, I've talked to a number of people. We talked to Chris and Norman. Chris and Norman, Chris- pa- Pam Marciero, yeah. Jennifer Barnhart, Dan, yeah. D- David Matthew Fellman. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a lot yeah, of great people from that show. Yeah, wonderful people. Yes. What was yeah. it like getting to work on such a show? Well, that was a big leap ahead for me. It, I, I really can't remember. I think, well, Kathy Mullen and David Frith. I think they saw my work in a live situation, and I was friends with, uh, and still friends with Tim Rodassi, who um, he just yeah. gotten out of UConn. And he was working on Between the Lions. And we were doing a live show. And uh, Jim Krupa also worked on Between the Lions. And he was is my mentor. And, uh, I had worked on uh, Bear in the Big Blue House. And oh, nice. People thought, nice. People, thought was, people thought I was nice. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so I, I, I got to meet Kathy and um, Michael, um, you know, because, you know, Kathy Mullen, she's, yeah. Mm-hmm. you yeah. know, Michael Frith, too. So I was just blown away. Yeah. Murky for alcohol. You know. Yeah. yeah. A lot, yeah. A lot of things. And so um, I was talking to Michael before I knew even who he was. And my friend Tim had to tell me, he's like, you know, that's Fritz. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what I put. Um, so they invited me on to be like a day player, mm-hmm. you know, like right-handers. Or yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. right. And so that was another good learning experience because that set was really challenging and they made it look so amazing because Kathy was directing a lot, but they were also bringing in directors and supporting artists like myself. And I was just blown away. I was, again, out of my depth. I really was like, when, when you have three cameras moving and two, five other puppeteers doing stuff, that's a whole different ballgame. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I really got my feet wet there. And um, Jim Krupa was there. He was puppet captain for most of it, if I remember correctly. Um, and then they asked me to design and uh, build a puppet for a special segment was based on a folk tale about a, a little forest man because they had seen i had a i have a character called mungo who 
basically just danced tabletop dance. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. And um, I can't remember the name of the character now. Anyway, they uh, asked us. I had a company, two other people, three other people. We were called the Elementals. Uh, and so they hired us to make this puppet. It's uh, Ruby D and Ozzy Davis were uh, uh, in the episode. They were a couple. It's kind of like in the um, Virgin Islands because Michael and uh, Kathy, Michael's from the Virgin Islands or his family is. And it's about, they, they, they find this little forest man and they bring him into the house. And then because they bring him into the house and domesticate him, he starts to fall apart and then the whole forest starts to die. So we had to do this whole transforming thing. Again, way out of my depth. I co-designed it with Michael Frith. I still have the drawings. He won't give you drawings. <laughs> um, he's a very sweet man though, and he's a freaking genius. So um, yeah, that was, and then they really trusted me to do a big chunk. And they had another director. So I've worked with Kathy and Michael a lot after that. And Between the Lines was a very special production. Oh, yeah. Most of the, the, oh, the yeah. The was great. The scripts uh -huh. were always yeah. great. Yes. Um, very cur very great. curricular driven shows. Very. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That was, yeah. Um, Chris, what's his name? I can't remember his last name. Surf? Surf? <laughs> yeah. Chris Surf. Surf. Yes. Yeah. No, so there are a lot of really good brains working on that show. And again, mm -hmm. I was out of my depth of just like trying to keep my arm in the air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. A day after day, like, wow. And this, again, the sets look great. All the shots were great. Everybody on set was really like knew what they were doing, which doesn't happen all the time. Um, so yeah, that was my experience. And when we talked to them, a lot of them said that, you know, and I agree, Between the Lions is probably one of the best kids shows on television. Oh yeah. Yeah. Especially especially the last twenty five years. Uh, yeah. yeah that's, oh yeah. That's for sure. Even yeah. even even there's a people who don't know the show, even Jen, Jen said, Okay, if you that it's the best children's series of all time they absolutely never heard. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's it's, it's <laughs> the best it's the best children's show of all time that you've probably never heard of. <laughs> Her words, <laughs> not ours. Hi, Jennifer. <laughs> Hi, Jennifer. <laughs> I'm kind of curious, and since you since you mentioned Bear, do, do you remember what you did for that show? On Bear? Yes. yes. Oh yeah, very yes. Um. I was uh, uh, I was doing performance art, like I said, with the, my 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 three friends. We were doing weird puppet shows because no one was doing puppet shows, and we stood out. So we were doing comedy clubs, we were doing nightclubs, and weird venues, and then we did. Um, the Henson Company used to do an international festival, uh, and so uh, we were too weird to get booked. To do like a main stage show so they kind of threw us a bone to host the cabaret which was kind of a, a tradition of the national festival which i was unaware of so anyway we would do the show i was at ps122 i had already produced i had already done three shows there ps122 used to it's still theater there but it was different back then um so i had a relationship with them so I was producing a, a show every two years. 
um, or making a show every two years. And so um, we were we did this festival and we would do like a cabaret and like lots of weirdo puppeteers who would just come through and we would host. Mm -hmm. And uh, I get a call from my friend, Mark Russell, who used to run PS122. And he's like, this guy is just calling me and he's like, he wants to meet with you. And I was like, oh, that's, again, I was like, that's bullshit, that's bullshit. There's no way. <laughs> I go to Astoria to the studio where they're shooting at the time where they shot. Right? Yeah. Yeah. The big and I wasn't watching I wasn't watching kid shows. I wasn't even watching TV. I was too busy being a cool East Village artist. Man. <laughs> um, so I go there, I have this like meeting with Mitchell Friedman. He's like, well, I want to do something with your character. What do you think about a development deal? He's like, absolutely. Yes. Great. Handshake. I leave with my, my friend, John, your business partners, puppeteers. John worked for National Marionette. He worked for Baird. Um, he's also one of the reasons why I got into puppetry. He was my roommate. Super hippie. Smoked a lot of weed. <laughs> anyway, uh, I got home and uh, I was thinking about it. I didn't even know what a development deal was and I was looking for a job, frankly. And um, uh, I called Mitchell back up and I was like, hey, can you, is there a job for me on this show? Because he walked me around in the studio and everybody's puppeteering and stuff. Tyler's there, Peter's there, Trupa's uh, there. I was like, okay, is there a job for me? I'll sweep up. I'll like, I'll just like do whatever, whatever. I was like, oh, let me talk to somebody. Maybe we'll get you in. Jim Krupa hired me sight unseen to come in and do it a day. And you're basically way in the back because they would do these big chorus shots, kind of like mm -hmm. they did on Between the Lines, but like lots of characters. So every puppeteer got yeah. a job. And like everybody... And again, my monitor skills are like, <laughs> and I'm way in the back and I'm in the pit. I can't see the monitor. And Proof is like, you're not, and you can't see the monitor. I was like, yeah, I know, but I'm a theater guy or whatever. He's like, oh, yeah, just remember countdown, three, two, one, be moving before the shot happens because you don't want to like start because that ruins the cut. Oh, that makes sense. And the, uh, uh, then it just kind of went from there. I, I, I guess people thought I was easy to work with and I had a lot of enthusiasm and got really excited because when there's something that I don't know how to do, I tend to like chase after it. And this was one of those puzzles again, because on top of puppetry, then you have, yeah, three cameras. Yeah, three cameras shooting live with 10 other puppeteers and all these crazy like, Jim Krupa gig gag rigs. It was a lot of mice. Um, so that was my first gig. Again, way out of my depth as far as bear goes. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Mm -hmm. Nice. So um, now we mentioned in your introduction, you also puppeteered on the Book of Pooh, which you mentioned, of course, used a tabletop style puppetry. Can you kind of talk about working on that show? Yes. Uh, 
somehow Mitchell Kriegman, the producer, showrunner, whatever you would call him now, uh, after there was some legal trouble with Bear, but most kids shows only do two seasons. Or if they do three, it's super rare. So he pitched um, Winnie the Pooh, and he wanted to do it on a virtual background with uh, 3D modeled CG sets, computer generated sets. And this was a long time ago. So computing power was not what it is today. Uh, so I had I was very experienced in tabletop, multiple person puppets, like you know, one person doing feet, one person doing arms, one person mm -hmm. doing head and torso, generally speaking. A lot of people tried one foot, one foot, hand hand. So he uh, once he got the green light. There were some workshops, rehearsal room. I was working for Julie Tamar at the time, so I, I couldn't really go in that much, um, which probably was a good thing. But, um, you know, tabletop is hard. It's teamwork. It's more than just arm in the air. You have to bring weight. You have to show um, the center of gravity, kind of like weight. But you also have to show intent and you also have to be able to communicate without words to your other volunteers. So I, I was in one of the workshops and the team that I ended up with, I think it was Tyler. Peter was there too, Yerlins. And I just kind of like was, I got into like, you know, Winnie the Pooh, he can't look like he's floating around. He's a little, little fat dude. Who likes to eat honey and you know he's kind of stomped and my friend bless his heart eric engelhart i don't know if you've ever heard of him uh i think so very sweet man his son's passed away uh -huh. um, he worked for muppets he was a builder uh, he was in the workshop and he ended up being on the feet which is like the worst, hardest, most important part of the puppet. So I think it was he and I, I was doing arms. I think it was Peter Lentz in a workshop. And then I had to go back to work because I was working on across the universe. The uh, and then they go through all this casting process. Who's in, who's out. Uh, And then Kriegman calls me and he's like, so we're starting. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> what, what am I doing? He's like, oh, you're, you're, you're on Winnie the Pooh. You're doing, you're doing the arms. I was like, okay, all right. I also need you to coach the other people. I was like, oh, all right, I can do that too. He's like, no, seriously, though, because it's going to be hard. I was like, yeah, I know. I do this a lot. I know how to coach. Yeah, absolutely. And then there we were. Peter Lance on the head. Torso, me on arms, and uh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, well, wonderful show. I'm glad it's on Disney Plus. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. That, I, I want to tell you guys a story though, because right. Eric Engelhart. Yeah, of um, course. Look, look up Eric Engelhart. He he on his own invented. He built Pepe at the shop at Henson. 
Oh, wow. Hmm. wow. On his own, without a designer, he just made it. And he huh. kind of, like, threw it in the pile. And Pepe became this huge... And to yeah. To Bill, Bill, Bill Barretta's credit, he's, a, he's an amazing performer. Oh, yeah. He's oh, yeah. But Eric made that thing on his own. He never really got the credit. I mean, we did a memorial for him and talked a lot about it. Anyway, I didn't know Eric. He was a very eccentric character, as am I. And we got cast to do Winnie the Pooh. So I got really serious on it. And the builders, Matt Brooks, Annie Fresh, Andrew Detweiler, so many people. Um, anyway, it's a beautiful puppet. It worked amazing. You can feel, you have to have haptics through the puppet to feel e each other as you're working. Um, mm -hmm. Eric and I would get into these really philosophical discussions about like, how are we going to do this? Because he, he needed this kind of rocking movement. Mm -hmm. so, and Peter was way into that too. Peter's amazing, as you know, Peter is. Absolutely. So Peter was a great leader, and we were all really into it. And we would barely get any rehearsal time. And it was about a month into the show we were shooting. I was really frustrated because I, I thought everything looked like shit. Not because of our puppetry, but I just thought it just kind of looked like can't really describe it. And then uh, we worked really hard as a team, and we did this shot where Pooh had to walk up on a stack of books and reach into a basket and pull out a banana, and then walk back down in one shot. So you know, we get the top stick tape in his paw. Banana only weighs like a fraction of an ounce because it's made out of super thin out of 200. We rehearse it once, boop, 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 climb up these things, grab the thing. I squeeze because it had a little squeeze smack in his hand. Squeeze it on the banana, come back down. Peter would do this beautiful, like, you know, you look back down. Usually, if you climb up something, you look back down before you climb back down. He did this very theatrical, like, hmm. I'm back down. Mm -hmm. Shot once, they're like, ah, mm, er. we do the shot the next time, and the puppet took over. It was another reason why I love doing uh, tabletop, because we all were going through that puppet. Mm -hmm. uh, and Dean, who was directing, I think, Dean Gordon, was like, we got it. That's it. Two takes. And I, we we're all wearing like green reflective hoods and all kinds of shit. <laughs> and I, I take my mask, I take my hood off, I look at Eric, and then Peter like goes, Phew. I was like, did you guys feel that? And Peter was like, that was weird. But so you felt that too. And I was like, that's it, man. <laughs> that's it. And then we went into the green room and sat there and it was like, the puppet did that. You know? 
Eric and I were very into the esoteric side of it, of like getting out of your own way. And Peter is too, in a certain degree. Uh, but I think that was the first time he had, he had that kind of experience where it transcended your um, conscious manipulation of the object. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's crazy that Eric actually actually built Dog Hog for Bear. Yep. Just yep. pretty awesome. Pretty cool. Uh, yeah. 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 Engelhart was a force of nature again. He was quite the character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I miss him every day. Oh. Good guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. A very Absolutely. good guy. Super <laughs> yes. And very good at karaoke. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. So on the subject of tabletop puppetry, you also puppeteer one of your own characters, Bob the Antier, on another PBS series, It's a Big World. How, what was it like working on that? That was great because I got to do the voice for the first time in that context. Mm -hmm. uh, it was challenging because we pre-recorded the tracks because we were all working on green screens, so they couldn't really mic us live. Uh, which is very difficult because you have to lip sync your own pre-recorded track. Seems like it would be easy. Wasn't very easy, but I was used to lip syncing because I had worked with a theater company where we did a lot of lip sync, where there would be a pre-recorded track and we would perform to it. So I had that. And it was a challenge though, because again, the casting process was really kind of like, Everybody trying to get in, <laughs> help way in, which is the show business, it's fine. Um, but there was a lot of shuffling around, a lot of workshopping. Bob got tossed around to everybody, pretty much. Like almost every character. And uh, again, Mitchell Creekman mm -hmm. during the workshop, so like, because I have a pretty deep voice. And he just kind of throws it off like a challenge to me. He's like, what if you did it in a high, a high register? What if you did that? I'm like, I can do that. And so I was, yeah, I started doing that. <laughs> and then it clicked. And then he was like, okay, yeah, okay, all right. So you're going to do Bob. And then there was a certain amount of empathy. And then I got really into the character. In fact, I, Bob is here in my studio. Oh, so, nice. Totally turned oh. toast. He's very cute. Um, and I got to work with Carol Binion and Tim Legas again, who was usually my arms, and again, Eric Engelhart. And it was the arms on uh, the, uh, the Little Monkeys, Tyler's character. Oh, Winslow, yeah. yeah. Winslow, yeah, Winslow, yeah. Winslow yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. so Winslow. I was, I was usually yeah. the arms on that, unless there was a weird shot where I couldn't. Uh, I was also the big turtle lady a couple of times. Uh, 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 oh, Madge, um, yeah. Uh, Madge, yeah. Madge, yeah. I was in that suit a few times. Um, uh, it was really great. It was hard because we all had to go and live in Long, uh, out on Long Island. So we would be there for the whole week and then I would commute home. Um, it was kind of good, but kind of weird. Uh, the puppetry was really good. Uh, again, Engelhart, Tim Legassi, um, a bunch of other people, Melissa Creighton. Um, and we were just kind of like 
figuring it out. You know, things would crash, the computer would crash, you know, be up against some constant challenges. Snook was a beautiful, beautiful suit. Oh yeah. Beautiful. Oh yeah. It's, yeah. That that thing, I mean, when you see those things in real life, like seeing bear, mm-hmm. I I have a picture somewhere I should have taken out for you guys. But I, I am such a fucking like theater nerd. That when I was on Bear and I saw Bear come out in suit, I was like, "What?" And then Noel, who's this like the sweetest man? Oh, Noel! Uh, Noel, just oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Very friend of mine. Uh, yeah, Noel. Yeah. Is just, yeah. Again, Noel is another mentor of mine and a friend. Oh yeah, and he you know, recently yeah. published yeah. his yeah. memoir, which is awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. He's yeah. He's the shit. Yeah, um, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, I don't know if I'm answering. But it, it was the first time I got to do a voiced character and explore. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, the scripts were kind of limited to about four scenarios. Something gets lost. Somebody gets lost. Let's go help, or let's do a project. That kind of thing. But you would do pre-records yeah. and. And the music was really good. Oh yeah, really good. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the guys doing the music and the women and the the recording process was really great. It was it was tough. It was a lot of work. But the music was extraordinary. Brian Woodbury, um, the other guy who mm-hmm. ended up in uh, White Rabbits or something. Um, and I love to sing in the booth. It was really great. So, oh yeah. Um, um, yeah, love Ryan Woodbury. He's a previous guest as well. Yeah, really. Yeah, yes, he is. Yeah, because uh-huh. I knew him from way back in the the early, like even before puppetry. I knew him from the East Village days at this theater called Dixon Place. And then oh, I walked, nice. in, I wow. walked into the studio to record. Huh. And I'm like, Ryan Woodbury, what the fuck are you doing in here? He's like, what the <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. And then we recorded. I don't know how many songs. A lot. And I love recording uh, vocal tracks. It's kind of something that I grew up doing. I've done some voiceover and stuff. So it gave me a lot of opportunity to feel like I had a real contribution to the show rather than just being in the back and mm-hmm. wiggling. And then I got to perform with my best friend, Tim, doing the hands. And we would come up with all this crazy stuff, like magnifying things and magic tricks and walking and yeah it was just it was really a great time it was a lot of work but it was really good. yeah nice so now i'm i'm curious do you have any favorite it's a big big world episodes uh i'm partial to uh bob's uh episode with uh the bee yeah oh yeah 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 I mean, mostly because I don't know that it's mostly because I worked really hard on it. I also like uh, Compost Heap because the song's really good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But the B was one of those moments when I was, uh, you know, we're doing pre record. And so I was doing the pre record. And the director, I forget her name, uh, she'd do the vocal directions. And sometimes we would have we would have disagreements because you know acting director whatever. So I was doing this thing about talking to this bee, 
and I, I don't know what happened, but I kind of just like really broke into oh. it. Oh, are, are, are you talking about the My Friend Will Be Right Back episode? Something yeah. Like that be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. So. yeah. Uh, she had a name. The B had a name, though. I can't remember. Uh... Anyway, it's there. Um, but it was an emotional pre-record moment that I really got into. And I had like a yeah. nice again a, a breakthrough moment because the director pushed me to do that and then i got to perform it with my friend tim and carol binion and eric and you know when you get a lot of time to do there was just bob there was nobody else there you get to really focus and then again you kind of transcend like i would just for, I would hear my own voice coming through the playback. And I would be looking at the monitor and be seeing Bob and concentrated, but we could all just kind of like flow through that. Mm -hmm. And that was, and when it's pre-recorded, that's really hard. But music helps. And the B was definitely, because I love Bs, and yeah, that was a big breakthrough. But compost seat was probably another. Nice. And I, I get a awesome. song to myself this show. Yay! <laughs> I know. You know, yeah. Yay. Since since you, since you just met, uh, mentioned the music, what were some of your uh, favorite songs from the show? Uh, Compost Heat, definitely. Yeah. Uh, another one. Well, I really like because because it's one that I remember the most because it played in like most of the episodes was a like, Curve of the World. Oh, well, that mm. one, yeah, we heard that every fucking day, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a good song. That one in that song, Snook Sings at the End, or we're like in every episode, pretty much. Oh, yeah. Dude, wow. but not to, not to poop oh, yeah. on Big Big World, but Curve of the World, I don't know if you've seen it lately, or hardly shot it, but that really hurt a lot. There's another, the spinning overhead shot, Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So we're all laying on our backs, and then the monitor can't see. The monitor is reversed, and then reversed the other way again because. Oh. Oh. Yeah. So then you get the double. Like I, I can't. My brain exploded. <laughs> we laid there for hours trying to get that shot. <laughs> we almost lit on fire one time we almost lit on fire oh my wow. gosh wow yeah they had to have um, little uh led oh. units okay to uh, get mm. the shadows out because oh my god one puppet. so there's a lot of handheld and stationary little led and fluorescent units to get the reflection and one of them lit on fire and we were all on top of each other doing a, what we would call, a, there's a lot of people on puppets. Yeah. In camera. Right. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a park and bark, we would call it. Because nobody's moving, they're just kind of like this. <laughs> and yeah, one of the instruments lit on fire and Snook is right behind us and he's made of flammable material 
And so we all like run. We all, it's a, it wasn't a big fire, but just like a little flash up. Can imagine what was probably going through Peter's mind when that happened. Right. right. Well, yeah. After that, we did evacuation drills with him in the suit. Like, who carries him out? And how, how do we do this if he lights on fire? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Oh man! Wow. Showbiz, showbizness. Yeah. Yeah. That's showbiz. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so if if you don't mind, if you don't mind, if you don't want to, it's fine. But it's a fine if, if you can hear a bit of Bob. From me? Yeah. Oh jeez, <laughs> I haven't done that in so long. Okay. Let's see if I can. Hey, Smoke. Can you help me find? My, my thing. Usually, it's it's hard to do without text. Um, mostly because I I learned it because I was I don't know I would I would do this thing like this and and totally like go off script and the director would get mad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I would do that, and then I would hate myself the next day because. It's super hard to lip sync to all the. Ah, I don't. I don't really know. <laughs> the ants. <laughs> all of those things that I would just record and be like, "Oh yeah, that's fine. I'll do it." And I'm like, "Ah, what am uh, I doing?" Maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Like, maybe not. I mean, you can you can you can sync with your hand when you say it, but then yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know, you guys. Uh, I got a snook. <laughs> like a three syllabalizing snook. Oh, Bob, look at that. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Very He's nice. such a well-built puppet. Really oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All those puppets are really, really yeah. wonderfully yeah. designed yes. and built. Yeah. Krupa is he rebuilt them. He fixed them. <laughs> yeah, talk about because I know earlier you mentioned uh, Puppet Max. Jim Krupp is another you know master with Puppet. Oh Max. yes, he is the Absolutely. master. Ugh. He is the master. He's the another guy. There's a couple other Puppet guys, Max. but yeah, he's yeah. That's where yeah. I learned from. And I don't do crazy Max, but you know. Yeah, he, he's right. he's still out there doing it. He's still doing it for Sesame Street, I think. Yeah, every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For that. yeah yeah he's um again my mentor and a great friend and he shares information he's not like afraid sometimes you run into people and they're like this is a magic trick and you know if i show you how to do it you're gonna steal my job or whatever it's pretty rare but it happens and jim has never been like that and i've worked with jim i've done max i've done stuff for him and i've worked it Puppet heat with him for years and years. It's so great because when I'd ever fuck anything up, I'd be like, Jim, can you, what, what, do, I, what do I do? How do I do this? <laughs> like, oh, you just have to rebuild the thing over here and put it in the slider and then just like tighten that up. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. I was working on Dr. Teeth. We did um, the full rebuild nice. of the, the main characters uh-huh. uh, for Muppets. 
back in the day because Disney asked for a full rebuild. I got hired onto the crew. And my task was to make Dr. Teeth. So I looked at all the original, what was left of the original, you know, drawings, plans, of which there was not much. So, but I was working with a lot of Muppet people, so they knew. Was that for the 2011 movie? Yeah, that sounds about right. The one with hmm. Walter? Actually, it was before that. I think it was earlier than that. But it was mm-hmm. mostly just because Disney wanted uh, uh, to go back to original designs. Oh, okay, right, yeah. Okay. Henson Shop had kind of slid off a little bit. No, no offense, because Raleigh and everybody is so great there, but you know what? Mm-hmm. Well, they kind of—I think—I think they kind of wanted to focus more on some of their other things, too. Yeah, yeah. and right. you know, to, to the studio, you know, if you go back and look at Doctor Teeth in the original form, he's just bare Scott foam. He's dyed green Scott foam, which you can't do because it just immediately. Mm-hmm. So we had to figure that out, and. I was in the last phases. It used to keep me up all night. I was in the last phases. You have to drill a hole through this huge head. And if you make a mistake, you have to go right back to phase one. And you're drilling. Oh. Because the the glasses have to do this, right? So they're in the back of the hemisphere. Figured out how to do it. I made some tests, did it got the glasses on they finally sourced out the lenses because they got them originally they got the lenses from like a st mark's new york cheapo sunglass store got the sunglasses put them in the glasses that i made that were already heat shrunk to fit curved around the head put them in and i made the mistake of doing a big move at the end of the work day tried to super glue them in and they went oh my gosh end of day and I go over to Jim Krupa and I was like I, I what do I do and he's like I maybe put some like you know uh, polish it off and he just like pats me on the shoulder <laughs> <laughs> there, there. We both knew that I had to start all over again. Yeah. Oh, no. uh, if there's, if nice, there's one very nice man. Yes, yeah, definitely. Yeah. If there's if there's if there's one thing, if there's two things we've learned about glue, it's that, and you never super glue, you never glue hair back on. Oh yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, we we had we had a we had a friend of ours who's also a puppeteer, Brandon Smith, terrific guy. Oh yes. Me now he told he told us of a, a story. One of his uh, characters uh, is like a, a a professor, although he kind of looks like a mad scientist to be honest. Kind of does. <laughs> uh, but but um, why not? One time, why not? One time, one time he ripped ripped his hair out. And uh, he made the uh, he made the mistake of gluing the hair back on. Now, bad idea. <laughs> it was a horrible idea. So just use so just so just use safety pins for that. Yes. Yeah. And there's your, and there's your puppetry trip. There's your puppetry tip one on one. Thank you for coming to our TED talk. 
Yes. Uh, uh, well, you know, Chandler. there's lots of there's lots of tricks yes. to the trade, and yep. I've been a wrangler mm -hmm. and a builder and a puppeteer, which is, you know, it's, I've been very fortunate. There are way better wranglers than me. There are way better builders than me, and so that keeps me humble. Because if you ever get to go to the Henson shop or to Puppety or to Monkey Boys. You know, you see a lot of people doing cool stuff. So you also worked on the Noggin series, Ubi, performing, uh, <laughs> was it Maestro, various yeah. minor characters. Yes, we take a deep dive on this show. Yes, we do. <laughs> can you, yeah. you talk about uh, a little bit working on Ubi? Yeah, again, out of my depth on that one, but... What was cool is that I knew I knew Tim, right. I knew most of the crew and the production staff and writers. Uh, Matt was on that too. I think was he? at least in the. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah. So um, I uh, when I played the maestro, I uh, I just kind of went with it. Once I get used to having my bare hand, and then once we were shooting, I think Kriegman directed that one. Hmm. I also was cat in a tree. <laughs> cat in a tree with yeah. a cat head on it. And sometimes background characters. But, you know, Tim Legas was Ubi. All, all my friends were already doing that show, just a kind of a different vibe because it was hands so that was weird but good tim Legas, i don't know if you've talked to him but he's way he's he knows his public history so there's a whole um, hand mime tradition mm -hmm. uh and we had done a hand mime show together uh with a few other people eric jacobson but yeah then i just kind of approached it like it was like a beckett play yeah. very Nice. Yeah. Nice. And you also worked on Blues Room as well on the second season. Yeah. Again, wonderful puppets, too. I think, you know, oh, Blue, yeah. Blues Room's a wonderful spinoff to, to uh, Blues Room. Oh, yes. Great show. Yes. Yes. Wonderful show. Yeah. Tim and Pam, I think, because I built a couple of those puppets. Uh, mm -hmm. Jukebox and. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. It had to have a high degree of finish, I think, for the um, the client because it was Nickelodeon. Brown Johnson was in charge at the time. Yeah, it was just like that was that was fun, but it was kind of I didn't get to do much except for like build and writing. Right. Watch, yeah. Watch Leslie go crazy. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And do her amazing things that she does. Yes. So you also had a chance to work on a few projects with Sesame Street and the Muppets, one of them being the special Elmo's Christmas Countdown. What was it like working on that special? That was... It, I'm going to try to be honest and yet diplomatic. Uh, <laughs> there were a lot of people. Lots yeah. of people. Oh, yeah. 
because I remember seeing the credits for that, and there were like a huge list of puppeteers that worked on it. Yeah, I don't know that I even qualify as being a puppeteer because just me was like holding stuff up in the air. Uh, I know Jennifer Hudson. Uh, there was this long, the long tracking shot through the forest where it's snowing. Uh, I haven't seen it in forever, but there's a long tracking shot dolly, dollying back in snow, live snow. And there's birds and things and uh, like a chipmunk or something. And one of the guys, I think he came from Florida. I don't remember his name. He had like a toucan puppet right in the first trees. And you only get one monitor. It's like this big and maybe it's like five feet away. So you can't really see. You can barely see what you're doing. Jennifer Hudson, while they're setting up lights, is it Jennifer Hudson? walks over to this toucan and she's got a full face of makeup and kisses it on the face. And so now the toucan has a big lipstick smear on it. Oh. And there's 20 puppeteers already loaded for the shot. And I think Matt was directing. I think. Anyway. So they do the shot, they pull back, and the toucan is like trying to keep its head away from the shot because there's lipstick smeared. They're like, no, turn the camera. As camera, you go, as the camera goes, turn the camera. And the guy's like, ah, ah. and then there was a whole thing, like the Wranglers come in and they clean it up and everything like that. And then Peter Lintz was below me in that big shot. I think it was a, no, it was a deer later. And he would be talking to somebody else. And so I would take handfuls of fake snow and pour it on his monitor. We, we would, the shot would start to happen they'd do the countdown he'd like load up and be like who the, who keeps what is happening <laughs> i did it like five times it was my favorite prank on peter ever <laughs> That's then, great. you know really it was just like a big thing i mean you know kevin stepped on my foot and you know i can <laughs> I would have had a huge deer on my arm at the big, big park and bark again, like all these creatures. That oh, come yeah, yeah. And yeah, it was it was a, it was an experience. I don't I don't know that I should get a credit because so many people were on that shot. Yeah, but, and that was like the only thing you did, right? Was that big number? Yeah, I don't really do Sesame Street. You know, that's kind of covered up. There's no room for me there, but that's okay. That's fine. That's just like, um, right. The most work I get from Sesame Workshop is uh, Helpsters. Was Helpsters. Um, but yeah, that, I mean that was just because they needed all the people, you know, that mm -hmm. had a shot with thirty woodland creatures in the trees or something like that. It was insane. Insane shot. Wow. And uh, yeah, and Kevin Clash stepped on my foot. <laughs> <laughs> I claim to fame. Yes, <laughs> definitely. So, Matter Julie, so which one do you want to take the next one? I mean, like, yeah, I, I, I was gonna say, I'll let Julie take yeah. this one. Yeah, I'll, I'll take this one. Shall I? Um, now, yeah, now you, you, you kind of brought this up earlier with the Muppets. You did some uh, puppeteering for a Muppets Christmas letters to Santa. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, that's a really good special, honestly. 
-hmm. can you talk yeah. can you talk a bit about that yeah again that was a big um i don't really know even how i got that job i think because i was just on the roster um uh, and then Kirk Thatcher directed that, right? Yeah. And I had never met Kirk before. He was a very big character, very vibrant guy, loving to pieces, hilarious. Again, Tim Legas was there, a couple other people. Uh, I got to do um, Zoot, just like crossing through a shot. I totally fucked that up. There's a lot of people, a lot of shenanigans going on. And Matt was very sweet. He was like, Zoot walks, you know, he just has a certain like vibe. Because Matt does and Matt's an incredible actor as well as puppeteer. And then Tim and I, you know, we're sitting what happens is you sit in the bullpen and you wait till uh, I think Beretta was puppet captain. He would come over and like kind of point, like if you sit outside Home Depot and would do construction, you know. He uh, he like points to me and Tim Legassi and he's like, "You guys want to do the rats in the tree?" Like, yes, absolutely. So we have to do this whole like plug the tree in or unplug the tree. I don't know. It was kind of a technical. So we were both known for doing like technical stuff as well in shot. And Dave Golds is there. Oh wow. And Tim and I are like trying to figure out this gag. So about 50, 50 years of him being, being with Muppets. Like, like, oh my gosh. Like unplugging the Christmas tree or plugging it in. Or, yeah, we plug it in. So that's really hard for <laughs> dude. It's really hard because you have to practically Look do that. that. Tim and I figure it out. And, you know, there's a whole other shot that happens after the plug. We plug it in and we run away as rats. So we're trying to figure it out. I look over at Dave Goals, who is the, a lovely man. Hilarious. Yeah. So funny. <laughs> and he's sitting there waiting uh, with Gonzo on his arm. Like, just sitting there. And he's there's just a person visit. They're just visiting. There's a woman just she's not a, she's not talent or anything she's just sitting there on the floor with him talking and i was like tim who's that who's that it was like uh that's dave's friend i don't know <laughs> so dave would wait we had to do this shot the camera would pan over and he would like do his thing beep, beep, beep. i was like wow okay yeah right and then i did a couple other crazy stuff that never got on camera the whole mail room scene I was upstairs and like scaffolding pretty much all day, like working a rat like this. Yeah, there were a lot of wonderful songs in that. I don't know if you were a part of this specific one, but the song uh, My Best Christmas Yet, which was like the finale of like at the end of the special where there's like a big mm -hmm. group of everyone together. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't I wasn't uh, vocal talent on that. Um, I remember it. There was just so much, it was a crazy shoot. There was a lot, a lot of stuff going on. Do you remember who you did? Because there were a lot of classic Muppet characters in that number. I usually fought to be Beauregard because he's my favorite. 
Oh, I love Beauregard. Ah, uh, yes. Um, but I don't think I did. I think somebody else would get to Beauregard before me. And then I'd just be, I'm usually a rat. Yeah. Huh. Nothing really, nothing really that sexy. Mostly. <laughs> <laughs> you guys know Tom Newby? You know Tom Newby? He's another mech guy builder. And Fred Buchholz is also one of the Muppet um, tech mech guys. Geniuses, all of them, next to Foz. Yeah, so, definitely. Um, definitely. But yeah, it was mostly like in big scenes where they needed lots of people. I'd just be like, beep, 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 beep. <laughs> and watching take after take after take after take after take after take. <laughs> take after take. Helping the scaffolding, laying on a sound blanket, freezing my balls off. Definitely. So now moving on to uh, the elementals, which I know you uh, sort of founded. How, how, how was that created? Like what went into the creation process of that? That started with me doing uh, performance art or and or theater, just live theater. And I was making masks, making puppets, uh, roommates with a friend who was also sadly since passed. He would... He was like a deadhead, you know, sweetheart of a guy. He went to the same college where my father taught. That's how I knew him. That's how I got to move to New York because they needed a roommate. Uh, he was working with National Marionette uh, Company in Connecticut, I think. Uh, Sororiac senior and junior. Um, and at that time, I was like, this is, I, I don't know what you're talking about because he would leave for like a month and go and do school shows with them and come back. And then he was working with Baird, with Peter Baird, doing Baird shows because they were still being produced at the time. And this is actually a very formative experience. Uh, he, they did a production of uh, Alice in Wonderland at the Houseman Theater in um, Theater Row. I don't think it's there anymore. New York City, Manhattan. He's like, you should come see it. I'm like, ah, puppets. Whatever. You're doing it. Okay, it's free. So I go. I watch Alice in Wonderland. And it's like, okay. It's Alice in Wonderland. And then they do what they would call, I think they called it variety. So there'd be a second half of the show where it'd just be like little snippet pieces. You guys ever see Bill Baird Company? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So um, there was one one part called uh, it's called rope dancers. Anyway, there were bodies made out of rope, thick like rope, legs, stick figures, and they just danced to a trog song. It's probably on YouTube somewhere. And it was a, a Czech black or like black theater. So it was all a black behind them and special lighting. So they floated in space and couldn't see the operators. And I'd never seen that before. And I just lost my mind. And it just blew my mind. I was like, this is the coolest thing. It inspired me to do tabletop. So go backstage. There's a John, my friend, Peter, who I met for the first time there. I met Randy Carfagno there. 
Jacobson. Oh, yeah. So I go backstage and I'm expecting these rope things to be these mechanical, like super animatronic thingamabobs because that's what I thought puppets were doing because that's what movies were doing. You know, mm-hmm. and controls and stuff. And no, it's just like a couple of poles and they just, you know, they're doing this and dancing. And it totally blew my mind, the simplicity, but then the complete connection and physicality. And then that was that was a big thing because John was way into it, my roommate at the time. And then when I started to make puppets, Peter came on to play and like he would give us advice, Peter Baird. John and I would work on stuff. And then I I had opportunities to do shows. And it's hard to do puppets on your own. I mean, for me at the time. But I was like, let's mm-hmm. try to do four-person company. So we did that for a while. We rehearsed in my apartment. My cat would love the shadow show. The cat would just jump up on the shadows. <laughs> And we had a lot of good times. We did an Aerosmith record release party. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was a good huh. one. There's a picture of Steven Tyler shaking the hands of the puppet. Oh, my gosh. Wow. 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 That's cool. wonderful. He was a really sweet guy. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because we were performing it and we're all in black behind this weird green puppet guy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he was meeting with his like management team before they opened up the show. There was a lot of these like little sections. All the curtains were to go up and the show started. And he looked over at the puppet and I was like, keep dancing, keep dancing. <laughs> arms are dying. And he looks over and he's like, what is, what the fuck is that? He comes over, he's like, <laughs> looks at the puppet, he's like, what are you guys doing? It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> I gotta see this. I gotta see this. We take our hoods off. And he's like, he looks at the puppet. He's like, Why are you you rehearsing a mirror? He's like, Yeah, we have to, yeah. Because otherwise we don't have a monitor, we're doing it live, so we have to know what it looks like from behind. He's like, Man, I see some cool shit sometimes, and that's some cool shit. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty much it. Then someone dragged him away and had to make a decision about him. Uh, Yeah, that's great. Yes, absolutely. So over the years, Elemental's puppets have been used in various commercials. Can you talk a bit about that? Oh, man. Shoot. I don't even remember. Do you remember? Do you have an example? Elemental's puppets? Wait. That was a long time ago. Hold on. Um, oh, for Curious Pictures, yeah. Um, oh, they were, I know they were used on um, the Nickelodeon show uh, Action League Now. Oh, that's true. Yeah, we were on PBS too. We did a couple of things for the egg. Um, did a lot of ideas for them. 
was MTV2. A... MTV2. Oh, yeah. That's that's the one I'm thinking. There was a MasterCard one up too, I think. Really? Yeah, there. I, it was. It was like a Christmassy kind of thing. Oh my god, I have no memory of that. MasterCard? <laughs> yeah. I should put that on my resume. I know that we did. <laughs> we did. Um, we did a Spike Lee commercial for a uh, uh, when uh, the dot com boom was happening. Oh, okay. Uh, it aired during the Oscars. Uh, it was called, um, it, was, it was like a talent website. It was called something.com, but it was like for actors to you put your headshot and your resume up on this website. What's it called? That was another rando thing that I went to with my friend Tim and the audition, and then Spike Lee was directing the commercial. Uh, I was Tom Waits, and Tim was like this general guy. <laughs> yeah, what else? Jeez, oh, thanks for reminding me. Really? MasterCard? Shit, I have to Google myself. Maybe if I find it again, I can uh, email it to you, like find a link and like email it to you. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, you get to be my age. Some things just kind of drift away. Yeah, things blur together. Yeah, understandable. Yeah. I did a lot of work with... Yeah. Um, Curious Studios. Okay, That's yeah, yeah. Still going. Oh. So a little curious and a lot of commercials for them. Oh, I remember a little curious. Yeah, that was a good show. Yeah. And um, but a bunch of like they did lots of interstitials for MTV. They were the, the studio behind the original Pee Wee's Playhouse. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the series too. Yeah. Steve Oaks, he was the guy. Nice. Nice. So, matter, Julius, which one? Okay. <laughs> uh, you you mentioned this at the beginning. Uh, they were also seen in the musical show Uncle Jimmy's Dirty Basement. Yes. What was it like working on that? That was uh, really great and very challenging. Uh, we. Like I said before, we were asked to host the uh, late night cabaret for the Henson International Festival of Puppetry. So um, there would be a lot of acts coming on like a cabaret. So I couldn't really do it as a puppeteer because I can't read the card, the intro cards through a hood. So I asked some friends of mine who were in a band called uh, Cuckoo Handler and I came up with this idea that we would have a live band, which would cover the um, transitions because, you know, puppeteers, are, they have stuff, things coming in, things going out. Very boring to have a guy just stand there and talk. So I asked these guys, friends of mine, we had done shows together before, if they would come on and do, uh, and I pitched it to Henson and they were like, sure. And so we did that, and I decided to just become uh, this character to introduce and let everybody else do the puppets. So I put on clown makeup. Um, I would do patter in between, the band would play. Then we started like improvising songs together. 
in between. And then we did it the next year, or the year, the next year. And between that, we had rehearsed a little bit more and people were, were really responding to it positively. And I have been in bands my whole life too. And they wore crazy costumes, and great musicianship. And I think it was me, we kind of came up with it together to form Uncle Jimmy's Dirty Basement. Because we would do, they would do them, and we would do us puppet wise, and they would kind of like clash. And I was like, why don't we just like smoosh them together? Puppet rock. <laughs> and uh, they were into it. We had a lot of great shows. We ran for a long time at the Bowery Poetry Club. We had a good run at PS122. Um, uh, you can see that one on YouTube. It's called Wearing the Hat with the Cat Hunt. Nice. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of people. Always a challenge to manage everybody's schedule, to rehearse, to perform, get paid. Uh, we were at PS122 and we were selling out the house, but then they had to let someone else come in and do their show because they got canceled because someone got injured. So we kind of lost our run. And then, you know, things happen to people. People get sick. People get married. People have kids. Right. Move on. So you were also a cast member of Henson Alternatives off-Broadway show, Stuff and Unstrung. What was, what was working <laughs> on that like? <laughs> oh, my God. You guys are really getting it. I'm trying to think of a MasterCard thing. Um, uh, that was probably the best job I've ever my second best job I've ever had um, that uh, I knew they were coming to town to do that show and I knew they were already cast but a lot of them were from LA and so they're trying to cut costs for mm -hmm. housing so they started to like farm out people who lived in the area and then they would have these uh, classes, improv classes, every week in the theater with Patrick Bristow, who's a genius. Oh, yeah, I love Patrick. Yes. He's a previous guest a previous as well. Guest. Oh, yeah. So, really? Yeah. Oh, man. He's just, yep. yeah. he's, he's just... He's awesome. So, yeah. I, so I was, I was convinced of my own greatness going into this class about improv because I just make stuff up, man. I'm super funny. I, I'm Uncle Jimmy. I'm the shit. <laughs> Go to this class, a bunch of other puppeteers who also want to be in the show. And then Patrick is our teacher. And he is one oh, of wow. the best teachers I've ever worked with. Yeah, Patrick Bristow. Yes. Just, I mean, his compassion and his focus and the way he motivates change in the student is really rare and so i went to the first class and i was like oh i am again way out of my depth but i think i can do it because a lot of people not to toot my own home but a lot of people can put their hand in the air and say words um it's a whole other thing to like tell a story and do the things 
And so we kind of connect a little bit because I work hard. I work really hard. And because I wanted to be in the show. Maybe a month went by and this other guy who wasn't so good, but he was more connected to uh, certain people involved in the production, not Patrick. He got the slot instead of me. And I was super pissed off. So I was like, fuck this. I'm not going to class anymore. This is bullshit. I go home and uh, think about it. I'm like, you know, get yourself together. Get your ego out of the way. This is an opportunity. You're not paying for this. You have a free opportunity to learn something. So I go back in the next couple of weeks and I like push. I'm just like in every moment. It's like, because, you know, it'd be like, who wants to be in this? Be like, beep, 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 beep. And uh, Patrick, at one point, because a lot of it is listening, you have to hear a lot of stuff that happens. Right. Patrick, at the time I smoked, I think it's time he smoked at the time. I don't know if he still smokes. Smoke break. I'm outside, and he says to me, "So, how many kids? Like six in your family?" <laughs> How do you fucking know that? What? So you're, <laughs> you're like you're third. Like I, I'm I'm fourth, but wow the fuck. <laughs> He's like, and they're divorced, right? He's like, well, yeah, that's easy. Everybody's says, <laughs> no, I I can tell that you can keep track of three different conversations at the same time. Wow, I never really thought of it that way. And so I would ask him questions. I took lots of notes. I still have my notebook. Um, I finally got into the show. Uh, you have to learn two set pieces, the opening number and the closing number. So they sent me a video of my track, my choreography with the puppet. And I rehearsed it and then I went in to be set in the show and they asked all the cast members to come in two hours earlier than normal to put me into the show so they could see that I was doing the track and I knew every moment of it and I did the track both tracks and Patrick looks at the cast members and says well isn't it a surprise that someone actually shows up prepared? James Godwin knows what he's doing. So that gives everybody an hour off. See you in an hour. And he gave me a big hug. Oh. So wow. Oh. I, I was like, I show up prepared. If I didn't, my dad would fucking slap me. That's just, <laughs> if I wasn't there, no one knew what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, that's just the way I was brought up. And I was motivated. And so we do the show. Oh, no, we go in. I, I walk around the block for an hour. It's boiling hot. July. Like, oh, my gosh. A couple of days ago, I guess. No, yeah. I, I just walk around. I come back into the theater at call time. And I go into the dressing room. And Brian Henson is sitting there. And I'm like, fuck me. 
this is my <laughs> Brian is here. I had never met Brian. I mean, I like at a party, he like, I shook his hand. Never spoke a word. He's like sitting on a chair talking. Like, oh my God. Already my nerves are like here. Now they're like here. Uh, talked to Brian for a little bit. I used to have this ritual where I'd go out and like iron my shirt, my little black shirt. And we start the show. And the hard, hardest part about that show is when you're sitting in the chair off to the side. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. But you sit off to the side while other people do stuff while you're thinking about what you're going to do. But you have to act like, this is so much fun. But you're also shitting your pants because you're trying to figure out what you're doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I didn't expect this, but okay. And, you know, they Patrick picks you to do certain sketches. And he asks me to do, and I had a couple friends show up to see me. Uh, Amy Garcia, who's now a huge Broadway star, a bunch of people. I think Tyler was still in the show back then. So that was good support. Anyway, uh, there's a sketch called um, what was? Oh, you just you speak a different language, and then the scenario is you're in jail or you're something. Luckily, the language was German, and the sketch was uh, I was explaining my art to a collector with a puppet, and so I was so flaming on adrenaline that I just ripped into this thing. It's in the first half. I get a huge, I get a huge bunch of boomers, like bam, 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 laughs. Go back and I sit in my chair and go backstage. Eric's like, that was great, man. You totally killed. That was awesome. I'm so glad you're part of the show. And Patrick gives me notes at, at, at the break. I'm like, nobody gives notes in intermission. What are you doing? <laughs> gives me notes. I take it. Come back. Do the second act. I don't even remember what happened in the second act. I did a couple sketches. But then there's the end sequence. You have to memorize, you have to dance around. Then you have to look upstage into a monitor to see the camera that's behind you. So again, it's reverse, reverse. It's like this, it's mirror. So when your brain gets used to mirror monitor or like reverse, it's really hard to get your focus when you're doing this, right? Backwards. But I already know it, but I'm so like out of my mind, it's the end of the show. And I finish, and I know that I'm looking upstage and I drop the puppet down out of shot, take a huge breath, and then Patrick Bristow, forever after that, tells everyone, James Godwin, at the end of the show, when he was done, he just like this steam came out of his face because he was so relieved. He was like, Patrick was so beautiful. He was like, that's I love to see that in performers when you made it all the way through to the end and you were great. You know, he's a very supportive performer. 
coach, but he'd love to do an impression of me at the end of the show. Though. <laughs> anyway, long story short. That was. That's... <laughs> Mm. Oh, wow. Well, well, you... yeah. oh, fantastic. Now, you've also yes. done some work as a voice actor as well. Yep. Yes. Can you talk about some of your voiceover work that you've done? What the hell do you want? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> uh, hmm. uh, voiceover work. Uh, did a spot for Smirnoff Ice. Uh, I did a spot for um, Ice Age. I was in Ice Age 2. Oh, wow. nice. I was the uh, traffic vulture. Hmm. Um, uh, which was a really fun job. Ice Age, or uh, Smirnoff Ice was really fun because it was just a list of weird voices that they gave you at the audition. So there was like man drowning, uh, the sun, uh, a tree in a rainstorm, all these kind of rando things. And so you had to read this two lines of copy for Smirnoff Ice as those descriptions. So I I was like, oh yeah, this is totally up now. So I, just like read the time. I did Drowning Man. And I got cast for Drowning Man. <laughs> and I got cast. In, that, in those days, you have to go, you had to go to the studio. Uh, went to the studio, ended up with these two guys where we had to be an angry, uh, angry mob from 17th century England saying this copy. And uh, so these two guys are talking. They know each other. I don't know. And we're all doing it on one drop mic. And they're talking and I'm trying to be like friendly. So I say to the guys, so, and they're older than me. Like, so what's the craziest job you guys ever did? One guy's like, ah, not going to believe it. And I tell me, is it, you know that uh, dog food commercial, Chuck Wagon? You guys might be too young for that. Uh, I think I, mean, I think I've seen it. Yeah, it's like a animated Chuck Wagon, and my dog chases it through into the kitchen, and the Chuck mm -hmm. Wagon disappears into the cupboard. Uh, it's like oh dry dog food that you put hot water on. Huh. And he's like, "Yeah, they called me in. They had a dog." And the dog wouldn't make any, any noises. So they called me in and I did this. <laughs> and the other guy's like, oh, I have you beat. I got you beat on this one. And he was he was the father of one of the persons who worked at my agency. Like one of my agents. There was a team. He was his father because he did voice work. So that's why he got into the business. Anyway. He's doing the session. And I'm like, oh, I know your son, and yada, yada. I got you. You know the movie The Exorcist? Of course. Yeah. You know when she's like saying all the dirty words? 
And I'm like, yeah, that's uh, what's the name? Mercedes McAdam or whatever. Yeah. yeah, some of it. The dirty words are me. They called me, they flew me over to LA and I'm the one going, your mother sucks in hell. <laughs> I went there and I did a short session in the afternoon. I was like, okay, you win. <laughs> so that was fun. Um, I did a speed read for a, um, a, what's the thing where like guys adopt younger boys to be their like adopted dad or something? I forget what that's called. It used to be a thing where it's, you could be a dad for a weekend or something. Oh, is it like one of those like big brother type programs? Yeah, big brother. That's it. Big brother. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Probably yeah. can't do that anymore, but. Um, Right. Yeah. I did a speed read for that, which was just the legal copy, which I couldn't even believe I was doing. I worked on uh, uh, Sheep in the Big City with Mo Willems. Oh, yes. I remember um, that show, yeah. A couple of seasons. Mo gave me, I didn't even know how I got hired for that job, but Mo was very sweet, super genius guy. And for those who don't know who, for those who don't know who Mo Willems is, he's a wonderful writer and uh, author who's done yeah. some work Sesame for Street. Sesame Street. Yeah, yeah. And cr created Sheep mm -hmm. in the Big City. Yeah. Bunch so of yeah, I, play, I played private public and uh, the farmer and any other random stuff he would throw my way. Worked with Stephanie DiBruzio on that. Yeah, yeah, we previously. Yeah, she, he, she was really fun. Awesome. Mo is a great director. Studio was really nice to record in. That was really fun. I often forget that I was even in that show, <laughs> Private Public. <laughs> um, what else? Jeez. Uh, yeah, I say two. Bunch of commercials, but they just go by so fast, and I really have no record of them. I probably right. should have. Started keeping right. the diary earlier. Definitely. Lots of video yeah. stuff when they used to do that. Yeah, I honestly can't remember. There was a good run there for a while, but then the internet kind of killed it. Hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah. 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 So now moving on to art, uh, how did how did uh, painting and drawing come into play? I uh, had a really good high school teacher and uh, he was known for getting people uh, scholarships to go to school, which I had heard about. So I was doing, you know, school plays, I was doing art. I was a freshman and we did this drawing exercise. I had been drawing before that. Uh, but I was frustrated because I didn't have any consistency in what I was doing. And he did this exercise and he came over and he said, wow, you are fast and good. And I was like, oh, wow, I don't really hear that. <laughs> That's cool. Cool. And so I kept doing the exercises that he prescribed. Then I put my stuff in a couple of like juried shows. You know, they'd have little like the the Kiwanis Club or the 
women's group would have an art show or something. So I would show my work there. I started to win some awards. And when I got to be a junior, uh, used to be Scholastic, used to have this thing called the Gold Keys, where you apply in this national art competition. When a gold key, you're juried in. And, uh, actually, I have it right here. Here. Um, one of the opportunities was that if you win this national scholarship competition, you get a free ride to the participating colleges. So I won the national competition. I got a full scholarship to Columbus College of Art and Design. And my parents were happy. All the dudes who bullied me at high school were sitting in the audience when I waved goodbye as I went off to college. <laughs> wow. But yeah, that's basically it. I mean, it was a lot of hard work and mm, I yeah. attributed that mostly to my teacher who was keeping me in line, doing the things I needed to do to get there. Absolutely. If that wasn't there, I don't know. I really don't know what would have happened. Mm. But uh, yeah. I got passionate for painting during high school I did a lot of that uh, 3D work too. And then when I went, once I went to art school and there were a bunch of other artists, weirdos, freakazoids, studios full of paint, crazy shit. It was awesome. It was like a dream. <laughs> it was like, oh, yay. Yeah. <laughs> but how do yeah. I do laundry? <laughs> 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 hard-fought lesson so to anyone watching or listening what would you like to say to those who supported you throughout your career hmm. well i guess it depends on what you're doing uh i think generosity is probably the most important lesson that i've learned I used to think that I, I needed to keep things to myself in order to feel powerful. And through working at the O'Neill Center and sharing and teaching people yeah. or being with people through their process has given me a, a complete turnover. Because when you teach people, you say things that you didn't know you thought and you realize your value in supporting other people to do what they want to do. I think support is the most, yeah, support, generosity, and also um, being confident in uh, not fitting a societal norm or fitting into a mold. I think molds are getting even firmer now, even though we think the internet gives everybody freedom to do whatever they want. Uh, my fear is that people who are growing as artists might perceive something in the world that uh, will act against their better interests. It's really hard to put into words. Uh, if you want to be an artist, if you want to be a puppeteer, 
uh, find other people who do it. It's really hard to be a puppeteer on your own. Uh, you know, go to a monitor class, find a monitor class, do monitors at home, uh, mm -hmm. get on your feet and go and do a comedy club, go out in the world and be in front of people. Live audiences now we can do again. I think that's the best way. If you want to perform, if you want to be an, a visual artist, that's kind of a different thing. I think right. the most important is being in front of live people and finding people who uh, will support you, like a, a team. Definitely, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it seems like you guys have that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, we and, do. Yes. And it's weird because people will come into your life that you don't expect. Be open to change, chaos. Yeah. Uh, uh, be get comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's that's the toughest mm -hmm. one. That is the absolute toughest one. Right. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. believe in yourself. You know, have fun. Of course. Yes. Yeah, do fun things. Yep. You know, just keep on doing it, doing it until, until you know what's going to happen, you know? Keep, keep doing keep on, your own you know? thing. Yeah. 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 And also, like, if you want to puppetry, like, the really good ones, the really good puppeteers are also really good actors. Yeah. Yes. And mm -hmm. the acting part of it is a slippery thing because now, well, it's always been that. But most people think yeah. <laughs> that you've got to be a handsome Tom Cruise actor guy does this or actor woman who's gorgeous does that. It's not really about that. It's getting some technical abilities. Like Tyler Bunch is another perfect example of a great, and, and Matt too. Matt went mm -hmm. to school for acting, Tyler went to school for acting. Um, There are just like certain really simple techniques, but once you get them, once you see, or if you see them, you study them, uh, both in live theater and in film and stuff, it really just elevates your game. You know, when you have a character and you figure out who the character is, what the character's doing, where the character's coming from, where the character's mm -hmm. going, once, right. simple stuff like that and that sort of thing really ele especially elevates puppetry. That's what I tell all, any student that I work with. I mean, you can, you can wiggle a, hey, what are you doing out there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not saying anything. I'm just like blabbing. Yeah. Right? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, exactly. And, you know, figure out why puppets. That's the other right yeah you always have to ask yourself why puppets because if it's if you exactly. if there's no action or if there's no motivated um animation you can just be a human and say words exactly it's the biggest question the biggest question we all ask each other right why do you need puppets in this yeah usually it's an otherworldly thing mythological mm -hmm. thing animals 
those sorts of things motivate choices to use puppets. Uh, it's also a form of uh, magic, right? So yeah, yeah. It's mm -hmm. one of the oldest forms. Ventriloquism was done by shamans thousands and thousands of years ago mm -hmm. to fool little kids out of feeling like they had the flu. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Yes. <laughs> so, if people would like to connect with you, where can people find you? No, don't need no. <laughs> <laughs> no I mean, if you want to, I'm uh, I'm at Jimbo Godwin at uh, 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 um, Instagram. That's pretty much my only platform. Nice. Awesome. Or you can you can send my email out to people or put it on here. That's fine. If they want to talk to me. I talk right. to people all the time. I coach people, um, you know, building and whatever. But yeah, nice. Instagram is probably the best place. Nice. Uh, like your Instagram no, be down yeah, below. it's an open platform. It's easy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so people can follow you on it on through Instagram. Yes. Yeah. So, so now, go ahead, Matt. So, so this last question that Chris is going to ask, we ask uh, this yes. to every guest. Uh, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, so of course this podcast is called Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show. So in your own words, uh when you think of nostalgia, what do you think of or how would or how would how would you define the word nostalgia? Uh good one. I think there are two sides to nostalgia. One is um not necessarily positive or negative. Uh because you can't have a coin without two sides, right? You can't fall asleep without being awake. And right. that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. We live we live close to that kind of stuff too. So yeah, I'm surprised it hasn't or, happened uh, on my end. Lucky well, um, you. We live down the street from a fire department. Yeah, it's true. We yeah. do. Yeah, me too. Uh, nostalgia. Uh, it's a yearning for things from the past, I think is the, the dictionary uh, definition. A yearning, uh, but it's also an appreciation. So you run the risk of thinking you're appreciating while you're yearning. And sometimes yearning can keep you trapped in the past that's no longer there. Uh, it's also mm -hmm. important to be aware of your past in order to grow into the future. Uh, nostalgia, I'm trying to think of the etymology of the word. Um, it's also helpful to keep you appreciative of those that you've lost, loved ones, mentors, mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. lovers, friends, um, icons, people you've never met. Um, mm -hmm. Like, you know, I have lots of heroes I've never met. It's mainly female. And a lot of their work, you know, lives on in media, but they're not here anymore. So it's a really interesting concept. It's kind of like melancholy. Concept of being melancholy. Because there's a good part to it. Like, if you're going to get depressed, just go on and get depressed, you know? Right. Uh, but if, and if you're going to be nostalgic, go on and be nostalgic. 
exactly. Get in there and do it. Like every once in a while, I'll like, I just want to see this thing, and then I'll just do a deep dive and I'll watch the movie, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Or see the YouTube clip of the Carol Burnett show or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it'll remind me of my dad, and I'll think about my dad, and then I'll value those times, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it motivates me to keep doing what we Yeah. Great word to send on. Well, James, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. This is a blast. Yes, thank you very much. You know, thank you so much, James, for, for what you've done over the years. Like, you know, you know, especially it's a big world and a lot and you know, book a poo between the lines, a lot of things that you've done. And thank you for 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 what you've done, be a part of our lives and keep up your great work. And can I wait what's what's next in store for you? Me too. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll, have a, I'll have a hot dog, maybe. absolutely keep in touch james and like jake said i'll let you know when this goes up yeah thank you guys thank you yeah and bob is there any final words to end this off yeah just be be nice to the ants you guys exactly (laughs) (laughs) well enjoy the rest of your day james that's goodbye from us as well Yes, yes, indeed. Absolutely enjoyed our time with James Godwin, getting to hear all the stories about Big Big World, a uh, whole bunch of other things. Um, <laughs> yeah. Keep on lookout for more wonderful interviews. And as always, what do we say, Jake? Keep nostalgia alive. Take care, everyone. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to another wonderful Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show interview. Be sure to follow Jake and the crew on social media and stream the show wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And as always, remember to keep nostalgia alive. Bye-bye.